Good evening, and welcome to the Emirate Podcast. The views expressed on this show are those of the host and in no way reflective of an endorsement by any entity they are affiliated with, the employment, membership, or for any other reason. The views on this show are the hosts and the hosts alone. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get to the show. Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the NRAMP Podcast. This is your host, Mike. The date is March 13, 2018, and we have got another show lined up for you. So let's get going. As you all know, we have set our clocks uh, forward, and we are all fucking miserable today. Uh, if you are not miserable, I'm envious of you, and I'm you know glad that you had a wonderful sleep cycle, but this shit completely ruined my life, and pretty much everyone around me feels the same way. So I think first and foremost, the first thing we'll discuss today is why we need to get rid of daylight savings time. It is the most outdated, archaic, nonsensical, and useless shit I've ever seen in my entire life, and it provides nothing productive or beneficial to any of us on a day-to-day basis. I don't even think the farmers who this shit was originally designed for give a fuck about it anymore. We have so many technologies and all these other things. Nobody gives a shit. We are doing something that dates back to some old farmer's almanac bullshit. Like it isn't tied to anything that's happening now today. So there's no reason for it. Um, a lot of states have are starting to vote to do away with it. When I lived in Arizona, we didn't have to do it. And it's so fucking convenient. You're not looking down at your watch. You're not waking up someday, losing an hour of sleep, gaining an hour of sleep, having your entire sleep cycle fucked up. You don't wake up in the morning and it's suddenly like three times darker than it was on the previous day. It's the dumbest fucking thing ever. And it has no positive modern day benefit for any of us. So we need to do away with it. It needs to die a horrible, horrible fucking death. Let's end daylight savings time. ASAP, um, you know, write your congressman, uh, tweet your tweets, make a post, hashtag, end daylight savings time. This shit is dumb as fuck. Um, yeah. So in addition to all that, uh, by it ruining my life, I had a fucking uh, filling redone today, and that's always a pleasurable fucking experience, getting a needle jabbed into your jawline and feeling it scrape against your bone to numb your shit up. Uh, But on the upside, I actually got a a composite filling, so I don't have a big piece of metallic shit in my mouth where uh, the old metal filling was. So now I have this, you know, clean composite white tooth thing going on. So I'm super happy about that, Uh, even though my jaw was like completely sore and I felt like he's about to rip my mouth open today. Um, But, you know, it's all good now. Feeling better, doing better. And on top of all that, I just finished a semester of school. So, you know, the wonderful thing about my life is... Uh, because I haven't gone the traditional career path of a lot of people. Um, I've been in school pretty much my entire adult life on and off. So I finally got back at it after getting a couple other um, career objectives completed. And I just finished the semester. So I was doing a uh, academic writing course. And anybody who's been through school can probably relate to what I'm about to talk about here. So to me, there's one or two ways that I really want to have a instructor operate when I'm taking a class. I either want super hard grading and really good feedback so I can learn and grow and everything else. And if you're going to be too lazy to give me good feedback, then don't grade me harshly because there's nothing worse than if you're sitting there trying to do your best work, trying to incorporate the feedback you're given and still getting marked down for shit and you have no idea why. And that's basically what the past eight weeks of my life has been. Now, given it's not like I had a bad grade, I ended up with like a high B, but as y'all know, in college, you get a 3.0 or a 4.0. Ain't no in-betweens, ain't no 3.5s, ain't no weighted grades. You just get what you get and that's it. Like there's no pluses, minuses, none of that. You just get the solid ass B. So I could have got an 81 or an 89. It's still worth three damn points. And so, you know, my GPA was at a nice 3.6 and I'm not like a 3.55. So 
I guess I just got to buckle down. I got child psychology coming up um, next semester, and that looks like it's going to be a bitch because they want me to write a motherfucking research paper um, in a 200-level course, like an actual research paper with seven sources, and I have to observe children, which, you know, I'm probably going to get, like, accosted by some parents thinking I'm a creep or whatever. I already don't, (laughs) you know, I don't know. It's just going to be an awkward fucking situation. Like, hey, I'm here to observe your children. You guys cool with that? Is that cool? I have this letter from a school that says it's okay for me to do that. Nobody's going to believe me. They're going to be like, hey, look, you pedo, get the fuck out of my playground, get away from my kids, and go home. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't know, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do about this shit. I, I'm either going to have to fake some research or find, like, a good venue. I mean, the good thing is I can probably do some of the stuff with my daughter. I'll be in certain atmospheres and environments where I can observe children interacting. Um, but I have to come up with, like, here's the other part about this. So by week three, they want me to basically come up with some sort of, like, you know, general thesis or narrative about what I'm going to do. Um, my whole, and maybe I got the shit wrong, and I'm happy if one of my listeners wants to hit me up and say, hey, you got this all wrong, but I was always in the impression that if I'm doing research, I'm doing it from a place of I already have knowledge about the subject. Not that I'm coming from some new place where I haven't learned anything about it yet. I'm devising a thesis about some shit I don't know nothing about, and then I'm going to go research the shit and try and come up with something that proves me right. Like I get like the whole scientific method of hypothesis, evaluation of hypothesis, testing the hypothesis, and then coming up with a result you know, to prove or disprove the hypothesis. But for me to do an actual quality research paper when I don't have the uh, you know, prerequisite knowledge to do this and I haven't actually studied the subject, you want me in three weeks to have come up with the enough ideas and enough mastery of your subject to do an actual research paper? I, I just, I don't think these people are grounded in reality whatsoever on what their expectations are. But hey, what can you do? It's the grind. Uh, you got to do what you got to do to get the degree. And they say the uh, best degree is the one you finish. So I plan to finish this bitch, even though it's making me miserable uh, right now. But hey, I'm only taking one class a semester, which allows me to have time to do other things like this and, you know, be involved as a parent and all that other wonderful stuff. So All's good. Um, everything's going good on this end. And let's, 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 let's get into the topic of this week's show. So the title of this week's show is What If We're Wrong? And you might be wondering, what the hell does that mean? Like that super odd existential question. What am I wrong about? Whatever else. And really what I'm talking about is the way we approach disagreement, debate, discussion, all that kind of stuff. The mentality we have, the thoughts running in the back of my mind when we're having these debates. What are the things that we're going to approach this subject as? How are we going to look at it? What is the way I'm going to walk into this conversation? And what mentality am I going to have while we're debating it? And what I mean by that is when you're thinking about it, there's two different ways to listen. There's what we call critical listening. And there's not only two ways, but the two ways I'm going to talk about. There's this critical listening, which is listening to hear, listening to understand, listening to evaluate. And then there's listening to respond. And that's a very surface level listening. It means I hear what you're saying, but my entire approach to absorbing your information, my entire approach to this conversation is I'm trying to figure out what you're going to say that I'm going to pounce on to prove you wrong. And oftentimes when we have a discussion, oftentimes when we have a debate, we're trying to key off on information that's going to lead us down a path of trying to prove we're right instead of trying to understand where we may be wrong. Um, and, And I think if we just approached our discussions with others, open to the possibility that maybe everything we think, everything we know isn't right. We could have so much more productive discussions. The issue with this is, and why it doesn't probably work for most people um, in their day-to-day life is, very few other people do that. If both sides of us were to walk into a discussion and we were actually critically listen to one another, we'll probably be seeking common ground instead of trying to find ways to dissect, destroy, and uh, refute the other person's argument or debate. Now, 
I'm sure you can think of a million different examples into where, you know, man, you're off base on this shit, Mike. Like, there's no fucking way I'm about to sit here and have a discussion with this dude who thinks um, the earth is flat and, <laughs> you know, basically treat their ideas as equal. And that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm not saying that after having the discussion that those two things should be presented as equal positions because obviously with any level of basic evaluation, we'll realize very quickly that those are not pure um discussion points those those two points don't exist in the same space they're not on the same platform they don't exist in the same world they are completely um, different levels of factual out evidence i've literally from altitude observed the curvature of the earth so unless you're gonna like tell me that i didn't see what i saw or it's some sort of mental projection and we're living in the matrix actually i'll say this i think an argument that we are um, sentient beings living in a matrix-like world has more um, value and possibility than the idea that the Earth is flat. Um, there's no way I can disprove those things. Um, if you were to say, hey, this is all just like some somebody's subconscious projection and you're not really here. Um, I would have no way of knowing that unless I took like the blue pill and went back in the matrix. But I can literally observe the curvature of the earth. I can literally look into space and observe our relation to the other things around us. Um, it's, you know, short of some really sophisticated technological things and a, a massive conspiracy of people, uh, you know, falling for the okie doke or, you know, being complicit in okie doking us, if that's even a fucking word. Um, there's no way that you're going to tell me the earth is flat. <laughs> I might be willing to entertain the subject of, hey, we're living in the matrix. Like that would actually be kind of an interesting conversation to have and probably much more grounded in reality than, you know, the flat earth theory. My point being, though, is if we're going to have this discussion and we'll even take this dumbass flat earth theory that whatever, um, I'm going to have to hear you out. I need to understand what your position is, why you believe the things you believe, where are you coming from, what experiences do you have that led you down this path, what information are you using to evaluate this viewpoint, what sources of information have you, you know, obtained and retained to come to this conclusion, and what are you pointing to? Because that's how we have a productive discussion. Now, here's the thing. If a person lacks absolute factual evidence lacks any sort of, you know, positional information that would allow you to, uh, you know, view their position as credible, it makes it very easy to just say, well, I'm writing this off. Uh, and you can pretty much end the conversation there. Look, your theory, your viewpoint is based on non-factual evidence, um, based on, you know, less than reliable sources. You have a low quality um, research methodology. And I'm going to end this conversation. Whereas when we get suckered into a dummy debate, which is where I'm arguing with facts, um, research, actual empirical evidence, and this person's arguing from emotion, from opinion, from all these other places that are not rooted in logic or sensibility, but it's just how they feel about the subject based on things they've read, seen, or otherwise, we can never come to a place where we have a agreeable point or a productive dialogue at that place. So disengaging from that is, is the best way to do it. And the best way to disengage from it is to listen critically, hear what has to be said, and then either walking away uh, while pointing out the fundamental flaws of the argument or being open to it. And so that's when we're talking about factual evidence, right? I'm going to expound on this even more. When it comes to dating and relationships and everything else, if we just listened more to our partners to hear where they're coming from, to hear the things that they're expressing, to try to understand their point of view, their feelings, their thoughts, what allowed them to arrive at that place, and try to understand the why instead of what they're saying, 
Why is this person saying this? Where are they coming from? What led them to this point where they felt they had to talk to me? Why are they angry? What What is making them feel the way they're feeling? Analyzing that instead of getting defensive or taking a position of, you know, well, that's not what I meant. Interjecting uh, before they're finished to try and, you know, make a point. Too often, uh, especially when we're talking about people we have deep and intimate relationships with, we're trying to make points instead of trying to make progress. And I would argue that when we do that, we create a place where there's no growth, there's no healing, and there's no point where we ever come to a common ground and we can build something together. And maybe you're not trying to build anything. Maybe it's just a casual partner. Maybe it's just um, you know, somebody that you're seeing uh, nights, weekends, whatever. But still, we have to be able to communicate about that. There's nothing worse than a person being under the impression that you guys are having and building something because you're leaving it unspoken. And if you have to leave it unspoken to get what you want, then it was never really authentic in the first place. And it was an intentional deception. You can lie by omission. You can lie by commission. And that's two different ways to do it. uh, But it still doesn't make you any less deceptive. It doesn't make you any less of a liar. And so if you allow a person to go down this pathway of believing things or you're observing the signs and signals that a person is feeling a certain type of way and you're ignoring them and giving yourself the scapegoat of saying, well, we never discussed this. Sure, you may be, you know, factually correct, but fundamentally you're still wrong for that, especially if you observe it. Now, if you're blissfully ignorant of what's going on, you don't observe that, you don't see the signals, you don't see the signs and you think it's all good, that's totally different, right? So we're just that's just miscommunication, that's having mixed signals, that's being on two different pages and that happens all the time in life. But when you are observing things and you're actually seeing it and you know that this person is feeling a certain type of way and you just leave it unspoken for the convenience of maintaining the situation that's advantageous to you, that's manipulative, it's exploitive, and it doesn't allow us to um, grow and heal together. You owe it to the people in your life, regardless of what place they take, to be transparent and honest with them. You need to let them know where you're coming from, how you're feeling, uh, and what's going on. And then in addition to being able to communicate, you have to be able to listen and hear what they have to say. Because a lot of times, again, going back to this premise of this show, what if we're wrong? What if the way I'm handling this relationship is wrong? What if the way I'm treating this person is wrong? What if the way I'm going about the things I'm doing with you, what if the way I'm understanding you is wrong? It is very possible that I am not right. The presumptions I've made about your intentions, the presumptions I've made about your tone, the presumptions I've made about how you feel about me. What if I'm wrong? And we cannot go through life assuming that we are right about everything. And if we do, we are going to miss so much progress and production and growth in our lives. So I would argue and I would state that you have to come into these positions. You have to look at these situations from a place where you are willing to converse with somebody and hear And not just listen, but hear and understand and retain and explore and critically look at yourself and not just have a conversation for the sake of proving a point or to end an argument or to get past something. But for that place of we're going to talk through this so we can grow, whether that's, again, sociopolitical discussion or in a relationship, we are having this conversation and this dialogue to get to a place of growth, not to tear each other down, not to beat each other up, not to try and make our point, not to try and demonstrate who's right and who's wrong. But how can we come together and find a place where we see things eye to eye and we can move forward, you know, in some form of capacity of whatever our relationship is to one another? And when you leave that stuff unspoken, when you leave it on the table and you don't take the time to unpack everything and go through it, you're doing a disservice to yourself and the the person you're having this discussion with. Now, with all that being said, sometimes knowing if we're wrong is knowing when 
it's the wrong time, the wrong place, or the wrong person to be having this conversation with. And that is another point of identifying when we're wrong. Hey, I know where this person stands at, and there's nothing good that's going to come of this conversation. I need to disengage. Hey, you know, right now it's a very emotional, intense time. I really want to talk about this, but this isn't the right time. I would be wrong to have this conversation right now because of what's going on. Recognizing these signs and signals and being in tune with the world around us in, in the context and the nuances of the time and space that we're in is so essential to having a productive conversation, a productive dialogue. If we don't do that, we're prone to get in these positions where we hurt feelings, where we you know, have situationally inappropriate conversations, where we engage in a, a debate or a discussion with somebody who's not rational, reasonable, or capable of having the type of discussion that we want to have. And we're doing a disservice to everybody involved because the problem is, is when you have these things with these people, you debase into these ugly, nasty, emotional train wrecks of conversation where everyone gets spun up. Nobody hears one another. We end up in these shouting matches, these heated debates, these these places where we're basically just fighting instead of growing towards something. Now, that being said, and all of this being said, there are going to be times where there is no room for civil discussion. There is no room for civil discourse. Um, when a person is fundamentally violating your rights, when a person is enacting um, violent things against you, when a person is calling for the uh, end of your life or the end of your existence or the oppression of your people, no, I'm not saying give that person equal footing in the conversation because they don't deserve it. They don't have the right to uh, be able to spew hatred, vile ideas and views and everything else. But when you do talk to these people in the midst of shutting that shit down, really do try and think about how did this person get like this? How did they arrive at that point where they view the world as how they see it and they think it's okay to do the things they do? Again, in no way, shape, or form are we saying that you need to justify their actions, but it does help us to better understand and contextualize how a person arrived at a place where they hold these you know, really nasty and fucked up views. Like, how did they get there? What occurred in their life? What type of things lead to a person being able to think this way? And when we do that, we have a better opportunity to approach the world around us and come up with real solutions to problems. Again, that critical listening, um, what if everything I believe about this person is wrong? What if, you know, they didn't choose to be this way, but they're a product of an environment just like many other people? That, again, never excuses the choices we make. But when we contextualize the way that a person arrived at that place, we can find solutions on how to prevent that in the future, or how to rehabilitate this person. I personally am of the view that a no shit like real life, you know, um, adult racist. So we're talking like someone 25, 30 years old that still holds racist viewpoints. I don't think there, there's any way to rehabilitate these people. And maybe that's just a bleak outlook, but I don't think that that goes away. I think at some point it's so burned into who we are as a person and our views are so fucked up that short of like some sort of major life changing event, that these people are just always going to be that way. I remember growing up watching a uh, movie um, called American History X. And this dude sort of has this epiphany while he's in prison about his white supremacist viewpoints. And I think that's one of those things that sounds really good in a movie, but I just don't think it happens in real life. Um, I remember there was this video going around about this dude who was like a neo-Nazi and a white supremacist and he fell in love with um, African-American woman and they got married. But I'm just like, you know, I'm sitting there with the side. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I, you know, I just, I, I'm not, optimistic and I'm extremely skeptical of the idea that a person who is virulently racist can somehow change. I just don't know that that shifts. Um, and perhaps I'm being myopic. Perhaps I don't have a big view. But again, you know, in, if I'm having a conversation with someone I've deemed 
like legitimately racist. And we're not talking like normal casual racism here, like the dumb shit that we were talking about on last week's show where somebody believes that the idea that, you know, if you just work hard, everything comes to you or dumb shit where somebody's like, you know, stereotyping everything else. I'm talking like literally I think that the white race is superior to the black race or I think that, you know, um, people born in Iceland or Germany or whatever, you know, whether it's anti-Semitic, racist, whatever else, people who literally think that they're genetically superior to somebody else and subscribe to the idea of uh, a superior gene structure, race, whatever else. Um, folks like that who have adopted that kind of ideology, I don't think there's like a coming back point from once they're past a certain age because you're radicalized to a place where you don't really come back from. I think much in the same way that, um, you know, but at the same time, there is power and knowledge, right? So maybe, and just maybe, and I'm kind of analyzing this as I talk about it right now. So if you're hearing a massive tone shift, that's why. Maybe there is some pathway forward. Maybe the right exposure, the right knowledge, the right encounter is what it changes. Um, but who wants to endanger themselves to try and change somebody's mind? Who wants to put themselves in a position where you're face-to-face with a person who has a violent intent towards people who look like you, who think like you, who... Um, or, you know, the same color as you or whatever else. Where Who wants to uh, put their life on the line to try and bring this one individual back? Is it worth it? Um, and is there redemption for somebody who thinks like that? You know, I mean, these are just the things we have to kind of think about when we have these conversations um, and when we're looking at the world around us on how we shape and form the endeavors that we want to undertake to try and change the world, right? Because at the end of the day, I don't think you'd be listening to this. I don't think I'd be recording this if we didn't have this optimistic viewpoint that maybe we can get something done. Maybe there's something out here we can observe and in the way we interface with the world to make a difference, right? I mean, I know for me, um, I crave knowledge. I crave to gain information. I, I record podcasts. I, I, I write these subjects because in a lot of times in doing the research or putting this idea together, it's some epiphany I had or, you know, in trying to discuss the news of the day, um, it's some sort of, you know, growth point that I've had. So, you know, it's just one of those things where when it comes to the world around us, we owe it to ourselves to really critically think about where am I at? What am I doing? How am I approaching my day to day life? And I mean, it's so funny. The more you talk about this, the more you think about the importance of this question. What if I'm wrong? What if everything I believe about the world around me? What if everything I believe about the people around me? What if everything I think I know about myself is wrong? And we owe it to ourselves to ask that question and to step back and take that long view and figure out what if we are wrong? What if everything that I've taught myself to believe about who I am, about what I am, about what I'm capable of is wrong? And think about how empowering that is if you are. Or even worse, what if you're overconfident? What if you believe that you're smarter than you are? What if you believe that you're more capable than you are? What if you believe that you have more money than you do and you're spending in that way? The entire way that we look at the world around us could be fundamentally shifted if we stop presuming we're right and start to contemplate the idea that we could be wrong. If we just sat back for a moment and thought about where am I at in the world? Who am I right now? How can I improve? How can I get better? What can I do differently to make a better impact, to make a better progress, to be a better person than I am today? What if all these things I believe about myself, what if all the things I have deemed valuable about myself are incorrect? What if I, my value is deeper than that? What if my value is not based on these external ideas of what I drive, how I dress, what I look, how much hair I have, or you know the way my body is shaped, how fit I am? What if there are deeper, meaningful things? What if the, the ideas that I've built myself upon, that I am smarter than other people, that I am you know, uh, more intellectually capable is wrong? One of the most humbling and one of the most growth 
you know, oriented places we can arrive at as a person is when we recognize that we're not the smartest person in the room. And if you're in the smartest person in the room, maybe you need to be in a new room. What if that's the other piece of it? What if I'm wrong about the way I'm approaching life? What if the spaces, places, and faces I surround myself with are not growing me as a person or not developing me? What if I am stunted? What if I am stagnant because I am complacent in the world I am around me or because I'm comfortable? If we just ask this fundamental question about what if everything I believe about myself is not accurate? What if the things that I've made the fundamental pillars of who I am as a person are not really who I am as a person or are not as important as I've made them out to be? How much different could our lives be? How much more different could the world be if we just challenged ourselves to think differently about the way we approach things around us? This single fundamental question, what if I'm wrong, can make all the difference in the world. And if we start to ask it, then we can start to make differences in our own lives and the lives of people around us and make changes that are progressive and positive and grow people and grow things. Because when we sit here and we presume we're right, there is no growth in that. You can't get better if you already think you know everything. You can't get better if you already think you're doing things right. If you, you know, it's the same way when people are um, lifting weights. There's this idea of arriving at a plateau, right? You've been pushing, you've been pushing. And if you keep doing the same movements, no matter how much you're going to taper off at some level and you have to introduce new movements, different ways that you're confusing this muscle to make it grow or you're going to stunt. And that's what happens in our lives is when we presume we're doing things right, we just continue doing the same thing over and over again and we atrophy. We plateau and we level off and we don't go any higher. Constantly challenging ourselves to be better, constantly challenging our beliefs and, and fundamentally relooking at them. Like that's the beauty of science. You know, when you have these conversations or these discussions with people and they try and argue about, well, the Bible hasn't changed in however many years, that's not a good thing. That's not like a successful place. In, in a lot of lives and, and world because the world changes around us every day. We learn new information. Something being static does not make it more factual or irrefutable. It just means that it has not had the ability or was unwilling to look at its own viewpoints and challenge it. And so I know we've completely segued off into religion here, but, you know, I, I think I had this fundamental debate with a friend the other day and we were having this conversation about the validity of scripture versus science. And the reality of the situation is, is that when you talk about science the beauty of science is i'm always relooking at things a fact is the lowest level of information in a scientific debate because it's just what i've observed a theory when i have a theory the common nomenclature when people hear theory they think it's like an idea and they confuse theory with a hypothesis but a theory means that i've had an hypothesis I've tested it and I've tested it multiple times to make sure that, hey, if I change these variables, I still get to this outcome. If I change these variables, I still get this outcome. And then eventually it makes a theory one day. So when we talk about our theories about the world around us, when we look at the world around us and we just stick to the facts and what we can observe without ever getting to the theoretical why, right? If, if you know, Isaac Newton saw an apple fall from a tree, you know, as the, the story goes and just left it at, damn, that apple fell. But he didn't ask why. The apple fell or he didn't have that, you know, inquisitive nature of, okay, I think the apple fell because it's heavy. And then measuring this thing and unpacking it and looking at it and testing and trying. If we take these same scientific approaches to our lives and say, you know, um, I'm happy with where I'm at in my job. Are you really? Are you really happy with where you're at in your career? Are you doing something that you love? Are you doing something that makes you fulfilled? Or are you a, a prisoner to your finances? You know, um, 
if we challenge our conventions about relationships, uh, if we challenge our conventions, you know, here, here's a great question most people could ask themselves and, and presume they're wrong when it comes to relationships. One of the most common things we hear people say is, I did or I'm doing everything I can. Are you really? Have you really done everything you can to, to make yourself better, to make the situation better? Or are you just sticking to your guns and hoping for the best? Or are you just sticking to your guns and, you know, limiting yourself based on a, a very small subset of rules and, and, and places to be comfortable? Because comfort is not a place that we grow from. I mean, ultimately, I think if you listen to this podcast and you arrived at this point, which I hope you did, you know, it, it's just one of those situations where we have to really think about what if everything I believe is wrong and take that approach and then redefine our beliefs on a regular basis because who we are in the world around us is always changing. And this fundamental question of what if I'm wrong about myself, about the people around me, about the world around me, about the views I hold, about the opinions I have, and this willingness and openness to really question our own belief systems gives us this pathway to this immense growth, this gaining of knowledge, and it could be revolutionary if you just give yourself the chance to not be right. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this has been the MRAP Podcast for March 13, 2018. Uh, this show will be up on all your favorite listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, share, rate me in the iTunes store. Five stars makes me happy. Um, if you would like to collaborate on a podcast, if you want to come on the show, um, if you want me to come on your show, if you want to submit topics, uh, find the Facebook page that should be linked here. Send me a message, make a post. Um, share this in your Facebook groups, uh, you know, share this with your friends. Um, but yeah, man, like, hey, we getting it done. So uh, see y'all next week unless something crazy happens. And uh, thanks for tuning in. <laughs>